Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 5.0 radio network and streaming on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes or shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave a voicemail that we'll use on a future broadcast at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, this radio show and podcast are somewhat different than most of what you'll hear. Uh, Most of what you hear from talk radio hosts are long-winded monologues and soliloquies uh, giving you their opinion, and (laughs) I'm guilty of that somewhat myself, but as I've said before, uh, what I'm trying to do is interject uh, dialogue and opinion into this debate, this national debate over the direction that our country is headed both culturally and economically um, in the national interests uh, that are not being properly explored. So when I think there's an opinion that I'm expressing better than anybody else on the scene, I, of course, take the time to try to express that to the listeners. But when somebody else is on the scene, and especially people of national importance, I will uh, gladly turn over this microphone um, and this show Uh, to allow them to express those opinions if they can do it better than I can. And one of the things uh, in that vein that I've been worried about um, with the rise of the Trump presidency and his implementation of an America first agenda was that there appeared to be nobody on the horizon to take up the mantle uh, once Donald Trump uh, passed from the scene, either by being defeated impeached or, or, uh, or filling out his eight-year terms. And I've been scanning the horizon looking for who might uh, be a worthy successor to the American Trump, uh, America First Trump agenda. And the truth of the matter is, you know, Trump is sort of a black swan. Uh, he, I believe, uh, you know, is a true believer in his bones of these these policies. A lot of people are more cynical in their view of that than I am. I believe that he is a natural born American patriot uh, who is concerned about uh, the well being of his fellow citizens and sees them being taken advantage of by a cultural and economic elite in Washington and New York and LA uh, that don't have their best interests at heart. He's not of terribly articulate man although he certainly has an ability to communicate in a uh, common man terminology a sort of queen's uh, 
uh, take on all of these issues that, uh, that definitely drives home the message. But I've always argued that it would be better if we had someone who uh, believed in these same themes that were better able to articulate it. And that's why uh, for three of his presidential runs, I supported Pat Buchanan and worked to get him elected. Well, it appears um, that there has been uh, the rise of somebody who um, is a worthy successor uh, and truly believes in these issues, and that is uh, uh, the junior senator from the state of Missouri, Josh Hawley. He's the former attorney general. He's a graduate of Stanford and Yale, which are, uh, you know, would lead you to believe that he might be of an uh, elitist outlook. But he gave a speech on the floor of the U.S. Senate yesterday. It's sort of the uh, maiden speech that senators give uh, that's designed to set their tone for their uh, their their career in the Senate. And in this speech, Josh Hawley t- touched on a lot of these themes in a way that uh, makes me really believe, uh, first, that he is a true believer, and second, that he is able to carry the mantle of these and explain these issues even better than Trump. And, uh, and in four years, uh, might be somebody that uh, would deserve serious consideration as someone to take up the America first mantle after Trump finishes his second term. So what I'm going to do for you here, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is uh, let you listen to this entire speech. It runs uh, almost 14 minutes, and I hope you will stick with us and listen to this entire speech because uh, he better articulates a lot of these things than, uh, than I'm able to, and I'm certainly glad to, uh, to turn over this modest platform to let you hear Josh Hawley outline these America First themes. Mr. President, it is an honor to rise today to speak in this chamber on behalf of the people of Missouri. When I think of those who have served my state here before me, I am humbled. And when I think of the true and strong Missourians who have sent me here, I am sobered because to represent them will be a great responsibility indeed. I pledge to my fellow Missourians that I will work at this task with all the strength that God can give me. And I will serve without fear and without favor to any man. We Missourians are known for our frankness. And today I will be frank because this is a moment of great need for my state and for our nation. For this nation was born in a revolution by we the people and premised on a revolutionary faith that it is the people, the common man and woman who make democracy work. And it is the calling of every generation to renew that revolution for their day. But in our time, our revolutionary faith is faltering. And in the heartland of this country, the great challenge of our age is unfolding. I come from a town called Lexington, Missouri. It's a small place, but a proud one. It's a place where people wake early and work late to make a life for themselves and their children. It's a place where people value honesty and gumption and life's simple pleasures. Fine morning in a deer stand, reading to the kids before bed, Sunday dinner at mom's. And though it is humble, it's a place that reflects the dignity and quiet greatness of the working men and women 
These are the people who explored a continent, who built the railroads, who opened the West. These are the workers whose labor launched the Industrial Revolution and whose ingenuity made the American economy the marvel of the world. These are the families who have rallied to this country's flag in every hour of danger and who bear the burden of defending our nation even now. These are the patriots who manned the fire department and coached the Little League. These are the generous who give $25 a month out of their gas money to assist people halfway around the globe they will never meet just because they believe in helping others. They don't ask for much and they live by a simple creed. Give the best of yourself to your family, your community, and your fellow man. And America is a place of promise because in these hearts, honor lives. But these working men and women are confronting crisis today, and as they do, so does our democracy. After years of sacrifice, the great American middle is being pushed aside by a new arrogant aristocracy. The new aristocrats seek to remake society in their own image, to engineer an economy that works for the elite but few else, to fashion a culture that is dominated by their own preferences. When they think of helping their fellow citizens, they think of making everyone else more like themselves. And Washington, you know, Washington has just gone along. This town has embraced a politics of elite values and elite ambition, rather than building opportunities to thrive in the great and broad American middle. This has left middle America, the great American middle class, under siege, battling the loss of respect and work the decline of home and family, an epidemic of loneliness and despair. This is the crisis of our time. I'm afraid you wouldn't know it to listen to the talk of this town much of the time. As the crisis deepens, the political establishment looks the other way, rehearsing and rehashing the political debates of 30 or 40 years ago. But there is no time for that any longer. The 21st century is upon us, and the great struggle of this century can no longer wait. The crisis that we face goes to the heart of our revolution. The United States is unique in history as a republic governed not by a select elite, but by the working man and woman, because we believe it is through the working man and woman that God chooses to change the world. And that change comes not through spectacular feats of daring or glory, but through everyday work and everyday sacrifice and everyday acts of courage and love. And so it has been the proud working people, our farmers and mechanics and teachers and tradesmen, who have defined the character of this country. But for too long now, neither our economy nor our, our culture has lent them much support. Instead, our policymakers have entrenched the new elites and undermined the way of life that once bound this country together. It's time to face the facts. Over the last 40 years, our economy has worked best for those at the top, the wealthy, the well-educated. If you have a job in Silicon Valley or an expensive and prestigious degree, this economy has worked for you. And Washington has focused on how to get more people to join this elite. But if you want a life built around the place where you grew up, if your ambition is not to start a tech business, but to join the family business, to serve in the PTA or in your local church, well, you're told that you're not a success, and you're told that you're on your own. This is no accident. The people who make the rules now, 
who run our large corporations, who set the tone for our popular culture, all belong to the same class. This economy has been their economy. They made it for themselves. But in places like the one where I grew up, in middle Missouri, good-paying jobs that you can raise a family on are going away. The jobs go overseas or south of the border or to cities on the coast. And once vibrant towns decline, taking with them the network of schools and neighborhoods and churches that make up middle-class life. Rural America has been particularly hard hit. Rural Americans' life expectancy has not just leveled off, it's actually dropped. And for women without a high school degree, that drop has been staggering. In some rural places, residents struggle with outright deprivation. My home state contains some of the poorest counties in America, all in rural places that once boasted thriving small towns. As those communities struggle, want sets in. But the crisis reaches well beyond economics. The message that Washington has sent our whole society is loud and clear. Our elites are the people who matter and those who aspire to join them. Everyone else is unimportant or backwards. And millions of Americans are left with the sense that the people who run this country view them with nothing but contempt and value them as nothing but consumers. These trends tear at our country's social fabric and they undermine our common ethic of citizenship. Because being a free person, being an American, isn't just about what you can buy. It's about the pride that comes in supporting a family. It's about contributing something of worth to your community. It's about being able to look a neighbor in the eye and know that you're his equal. It's about respect. And too many Americans haven't been getting it. They're certainly not getting it from our cultural elite. The media, Hollywood, academia relentlessly press their values and their priorities on the rest of us. They advocate liberation from the duties of family and tradition. They look down on the plain virtues of patriotism, self-giving, and faith. They idealize fame and preach self-realization through consuming more stuff. And as they do, they assault the foundations of the great American middle. Perhaps we shouldn't be surprised then at the epidemic of loneliness and despair that is spreading across working communities. Fewer young people are getting married or starting families. Drug addiction is surging. The opioid menace has ravaged every sector, every age group, every geography of working people. And it's not only pills. Heroin, cocaine, fentanyl, meth, and of course marijuana have flooded our streets and our homes. And everywhere, deaths of despair are mounting among farmers, among the young. Most shockingly, the young are the hope of our society. But in America today, they are taking their lives in numbers we've never seen in our history. The, frequent, the well-off frequently note that our nation has never been richer. But the tragedy of youth suicide betrays a profound poverty of hope. And is that really so surprising? Today's youth must make their way in a society increasingly defined not by the genuine and personal love of family and church, but by the cold and judgmental world of social media. The typical young person is bombarded by video games and violence and the relentless status-seeking imposed and modeled by our cultural elite. There is no more shocking illustration of our cultural poverty, no more damning indictment of our cultural leaders than these lost lives. And the sum of it all 
is that too many Americans are losing their standing as citizens. They are losing their voice in the life of this nation. And with that, they are losing their liberty. Because to be free is to have a voice. It is to have a say. It is to have the power of self-government. The chattering class often tells us that all of this, the jobs, the despair, the loss of standing, is the result of forces beyond anyone's control. As if that's an excuse to do nothing. But in fact, it's not true. Today's society benefits those who've shaped it. And it has been shaped not by working men and women, but by the new aristocratic elite. Big banks, big tech, big multinational corporations, along with their allies in the academy and the media, these are the aristocrats of our age. They live in the United States, but they consider themselves citizens of the world. They operate businesses or run universities here, but their primary loyalty is to their own agenda for a more unified, progressive, and profitable global order. These modern aristocrats often claim to be a meritocracy. And many of them truly believe they are. What they don't see or won't acknowledge is that the society they have built works mainly for themselves. They've effectively run this country for decades. And their legacy is national division and national decline. Mr. President, it is time to reclaim our revolutionary heritage and reassert the democracy of we the people. To those who despair at the task ahead, I say the hour is not too late. The crisis is not too deep for the determined effort of a great people. And to those who feel forgotten and unheard, I say this is your time. Now we must stand together to renew the promise of our enduring revolution. We must put aside the tired orthodoxies of years past and forge a new politics of national renewal. We must begin by acknowledging that GDP growth alone cannot be the measure of this nation's greatness. And so it cannot be the only aim of this nation's policy because our purpose is not to make a few people wealthy, but to sustain a great democracy. And so we need not just a bigger economy, but a better society. We need a society that offers rewarding work for every worker who wants it, wherever she is from, whatever degree he might have, whether their ambition is to start a business or to start a family. We need a society that will allow towns and neighborhoods to flourish across the great heartland of this country, not just in the mega cities of the coast. We need a society that puts American workers first, that prioritizes them over cheap goods from abroad and offers them the chance to better their station. All this we must fight for and more. We need to repair the torn fabric of our common life. We need a politics that prioritizes strong marriages and encourages strong families where children can know their parents and be nurtured by their love. We need strong schools and churches and co-ops because these are the things that make liberty possible. For liberty is more than selling or buying or the right to be left alone. Liberty is the ability to master our own fate and as a free people, to set our own course. That's the promise of the American Revolution, and we will renew it for our day. Washington has ignored the need for this renewal for too long. It has rested easy with the priorities of an earlier age. Now it must wake up and face the facts of this day. Now we must ask new questions, force new debates, articulate new priorities, and find new solutions to make the great American middle thrive again. This is not the work of a day 
or a season. It is the work of a generation. We will make it the work of this generation and so do our part to see the success of liberty in our time. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. I would love to hear that as an inaugural speech in uh, 2024. And, um, and I think Josh Hawley just uh, put down his marker as the successor to Trump's nationalist America First agenda. In Josh Hawley, I hear a lot of echoes of the speeches that uh, Pat Buchanan gave to the uh, Republican National Convention back in the 90s and uh, in 2000, well, I guess it was uh, 1992 where he made that, uh, that speech that uh, just got excoriated by the cultural elite and, uh, and they came out of the woodwork uh, declaring Pat Buchanan a Nazi and, and all of the other slanders they like to throw around. And, uh, and if we had followed Pat Buchanan back when he called America home uh, to middle America and middle American values, we would have been so much better off now than we are today. It was um, another... 25 years before somebody tapped into those same uh, national priorities and uh, and rode them into the White House in the person of Donald Trump. And as I said, Donald Trump is sort of a black swan. He was able to overcome the determined opposition from the cultural and uh, economic elites because he didn't need their money. His campaign didn't rely on them supporting him. He was able to fund it out of his own checkbook. So he wasn't constantly going out to the moneyed interests with his hat in hand and handout for uh, for campaign contributions. Um, But Josh Hawley now has picked up the mantle articulates it uh, far better than uh, Trump does on a par with, uh, with Pat Buchanan. So I would say that uh, Josh Hawley is really the inheritor of uh, Pat Buchanan's legacy. Donald Trump rode those themes into the White House. I do believe that Donald Trump is a true believer in these things. But... Pat Buchanan and now Josh Hawley articulate them far better, and I, I suspect they may be even have been more effective in implementing these policies than uh, than Donald Trump has. Just an absolutely outstanding speech from the floor. I've watched Josh Hawley, Hawley since he came to the Senate. He defeated Claire McCaskill uh, to to return that seat to uh, the Republican column he has been absolutely consistent in his uh his policy uh themes uh his his uh voting record with the uh the speech that you just listened to he's got a 93 percent rating from the national rifle association he wants to keep american health care in uh in private industry and institute market forces to get 
the prices down and get uh, get the government out of uh, of the health care provision. He's a staunch supporter of securing the border. He's a a, a rock solid constitutionalist who supports appointing constructionists to the Supreme Court. He supports the president's uh, trade agenda to uh, return American manufacturing and protect American jobs. Just outstanding, outstanding candidate. I know a lot of people are going to be looking toward Mike Pence. I think uh, Josh Hawley, who is only 40 years old, by the way, has now become the the odds-on favorite to be the inheritor to Trump's America First mantle. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the immigration plan that Trump rolled out yesterday in a uh, presser in the Rose Garden. Right after these messages, we're going to have two commercials and be right back uh, right now with Jim Dawes. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. You know, when I say that, every time I say that, my... uh, my distribution on the social media channels goes down. They have uh, they have evidently either manually or through their algorithms identified me as a white nationalist because I am a nationalist. I'm a proud American nationalist. I believe that nationalism is the the best prescription for a free people to protect their freedom and economic prosperity. And I happen to be white, so I'm white and a nationalist, and they have uh, pigeonholed me as a white nationalist. I'm nothing of the sort. I believe that uh, people ought to be uh, enjoy equal protections under the law and equal opportunities. And uh, I, I do wish that Twitter and Facebook would get up off me uh, suppressing the reach on those platforms. Well, yesterday, uh, President Trump unveiled his new immigration proposals at a press conference in the Rose Garden. This was the plan that was put together by his son-in-law and uh, Wall Street devotee, the Manhattanite socialite, Jared Kushner. And uh, while the president uh, emphasized many of the things that uh, are are really needed from an immigration patriot's point of view, it was also clear uh, from the provisions of this plan 
that this is a sop to the Chamber of Commerce. I'm not exactly sure why that is the case if the Trump team believes that they need support from the establishment of the GOP establishment to guarantee re-election or whether or not Jared Kushner's worldview and experience are so limited by his upbringing and his uh, his station in life is where whether uh, he, he is just a true believer in massive waves of immigration to the United States. I happen to believe that we've had such high levels of immigration for so long that it has uh, torn at the fabric of our nation and that we need a, a moratorium similar to what uh, happened after the last great wave in the 1920s to allow us to assimilate and turn these new Americans into um, into freedom-loving, constitutionally respect- uh, respecting um, people to resist the siren call of socialism that's now being put out by uh, the left of the Democrat Party, in which when I say that, I should just say the Democrat Party because the left and the Democrat Party have become one and the same. And we'll talk about that a little later on in the show when I uh, explain to you how the Democrat Party is now organizing in its effort to defeat Joe Biden as their next presidential nominee, despite the fact that uh, he is the best position to win the election for them. And despite the fact that he is uh, leading all of the other candidates, the leftist Democrats are just not going to have a return to any sort of moderation from future days. And I, I, I think it's almost laughable that I'm sitting here calling Joe Biden a moderate but the the thing about Joe Biden was he did recognize the limits of politics. Politics is the art of the possible. And he has a long history of compromising with people on the other side of the aisle in order to advance legislation. And he has been out on the stump touting that history. He would rather talk less about his support of um, policies that are now just totally anathema to the leftist Democrat Party, such as the crime um, bill that Bill Clinton shepherded through Congress and, and resulted in mass incarceration. Also, by the way, resulted in a dramatic decline in crime in this country. So it did what it was intended to do. He's been on an apology tour. I'm getting, I'm getting sidetracked and getting on to, uh, to Biden when I'm supposed to be talking about the immigration plan. So, as I said, this appears to me to be a sop to the Chamber of Commerce. It, it, um, it does uh, keep Trump's uh, policies of uh, the wall and uh, reforming our asylum and... Um, and immigration lottery policies. But what what is really telling is it, it doesn't address the 11, they keep saying 11 million, it's closer to 25 million, I believe. That's by Harvard studies. And, and you, can, you can bet if Harvard's saying it's 25 million, it's probably even more. 
but it doesn't, uh, this plan, address what to do with them. And what you want to do with them is instill mandatory E-Verify. If you have mandatory E-Verify, those people would self-deport. They're here for the jobs. Many have been here for 20 years or longer. And the only way you're going to ever get them to go home is not through legislation because the Democrats uh, will fight that tooth and nail, but to implement E-Verify. And oh, by the way, along with E-Verify, you need strict punishments for violators. So E-Verify would work, work largely like the tax code does if you caught some business uh, flagrantly violating E-Verify, you take some of those CEOs and you throw them in jail for five years and all the rest of the CEOs see that, get the message and decide that they're going to comply. But I've got a, a, a sort of a long clip here. It, it runs a little more than three minutes. It's the highlights of Trump's uh, immigration speech yesterday. And... Um, and we'll comment as we go. We're here on this very beautiful spring day in the Rose Garden to unveil our plan to create a fair, modern, and lawful system of immigration for the United States. And it's about time. Our plan achieves two critical goals. First, it stops illegal immigration and fully secures the border. And second, it establishes a new legal immigration system that protects American wages, promotes American values, and attracts the best and brightest from all around the world. Well, here's the problem I have with that. It doesn't reduce the absolute numbers. There's still going to be 1.2 million green cards given out for foreign workers that are going to be directly competing with Americans that are entering the workforce. So every year, 4 million American citizens graduate from college looking for a job, and he's going to import one for every four of those to compete directly against them to drive down wages. Uh, That's not even considering the people that enter the workforce without a college degree that are also going to be competing against these people for wages. What the president and Kushner's plan want to do is bring in people with uh, high uh, levels of education and technical skills to compete against American citizens. That'll drive down their wages, and it will basically turn the American economy over to foreigners just to satisfy big businesses' unquenchable thirst for cheap labor. Importantly, we're already building the wall, and we should have close to 400 miles built by the end of next year, and probably even more than that. It's going up very rapidly. As we close... I will believe it when I see it. Uh, There have been encouraging signs along the way. I haven't seen... Ann Coulter on Twitter, by the way, uh, pointing out that, uh, you know, there are actually miles of the wall being built now. There was a long article in yesterday's New York Times 
bemoaning the fact that Trump was actually taking a personal uh, hand in the construction and design of the wall, which is unsurprising considering Trump's history as a builder. And the uh, the people over at the uh, Border Patrol have actually acknowledged that many of the changes that Trump uh, has insisted on and which uh, Secretary Nielsen had resisted have been, in fact, huge improvements over previous designs, including making the wall much higher, going from 18 feet to 30 feet. They discovered that when people try to scale the wall and it's that high, they freeze up and are uh, more reluctant to to try to climb. Another thing that uh, the president has implemented is he's filling these bollards, these tubes, with a uh, substance that makes it almost impossible to saw through them. They're refusing to say what that substance is, but one of the big things that the Democrats like to uh, crow about was, oh, they'll just uh, they'll just cut through this uh, metal wall. Well, the president uh, came up with a solution for that as well. And the president wants to paint the wall black because trying uh, out there in the desert, that black paint will absorb so much heat that trying to climb it would be uh, a painful experience indeed. They decried that as uh, inhumane. We should not try to injure people that are determined to violate our laws. Back to this, this clip. Close the gaps in our physical framework. We must also close the gaps in our legal framework. Current law and federal court rulings encourage criminal organizations to smuggle children across the border. The tragic result is that 65% of all border crossers this year were either minors or adults traveling with minors. Our plan will change the law to stop the flood of child smuggling and to humanely reunite unaccompanied children with their families back home and rapidly, soon as possible. We must also restore the integrity of our broken asylum system. Our nation has a proud history of affording protection to those fleeting government persecutions. Unfortunately, legitimate asylum seekers are being displaced by those lodging frivolous claims. These are frivolous claims. What these claims are is they are um, actually orchestrated by George Soros and his uh, interlocking network of nonprofit organizations. Centurus Fonterra, I believe, is financing. They're actually advertising on radio stations down in Central America on when the departure of the next migrant caravan will be. And this notion that they're walking across Mexico is laughable. They have uh, instituted a bus system to pick them up at the Mexican border and quickly transport them to the United States border. The United States is uh, uh, doing very modest efforts at making asylum seekers wait in Mexico, but they've simply just uh, you know gone around the ports of entry and decided to walk across the border where they turn themselves into border patrol agents so that they uh, they are then released into the interior of the country by the tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands at this point. 
They're absolutely overwhelming cities in the southwest, and the um, Border Patrol is now having to transport them and seed them throughout the nation. Down here in South Florida, we're going to be receiving tens of thousands of these illegal aliens who have uh, drugged their children along with them. And once ensconced, it'll be very, very difficult, if not impossible, to ever remove them. They'll be the new dreamers. Oh, you have to have sympathy for these these children. They were brought here through no fault of their own. And oh, by the way, you can't separate them from their parents. So the parents get to stay too. It's a nice little, uh, neat little trick they do there. You can't remove the children because this is, they were brought here through no fault of their own. And you can't bring, you can't remove the parents who brought them here through no fault of their own. Back to this clip. To gain admission into our country. My plan. Uh, Okay, I've got one more thing to say on that asylum issue. They have become so sophisticated and so um, well-versed in how to manipulate the court system that you can't tell which asylum claims are legitimate any longer and which are not. These left-wing lawyers are putting the words in their mouth that they know exactly what to say in order to game the system. There are no records to check to see whether or not these asylum claims are legitimate. And basically, what needs to happen is any asylum claim needs to uh, be lodged from the, uh, the claimant's home nation so that the local consulate or um, embassy can check it out on the ground, try to identify these people and see if they have any sort of legitimate claim. 95% are illegitimate or more. Back to the speech. Expedites relief for legitimate asylum seekers by screening out the meritless claims. If you have a proper claim, you will quickly be admitted. If you don't, you will promptly be returned home. And for criminals already here, we will ensure their swift deportation. We discriminate against genius. We discriminate against brilliance. We won't anymore once we get this passed, and we hope to get it passed as soon as possible. Instead of admitting people through random chance, we will establish simple, universal criteria for admission to the United States. It is time to rebuild our country for all Americans. Together, we will create an immigration system to make America safer and stronger and greater than ever before. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you very much. So what the president is saying is we're going to have highly skilled immigrants come in. Those people are going to compete directly with um, our native citizens. And oh, by the way, they're going to vote Democrat. There's no indication that the higher uh, earning immigrants are any less or more likely to vote Democrat than the, uh, the, the, the peasant class that have been flooding our borders. 
a lot of these people are going to go right to Silicon Valley and take up uh, jobs in these social media uh, companies that will end up censoring middle Americans that are uh, trying to use the new town square to get our messages out. You saw with uh, uh, Project Veritas and James O'Keefe when he had hidden cameras on a lot of these uh, these tech workers from India and Pakistan and other places. They, they had no compunction at all about silencing political voices on the right. So, no, I don't support it. I support uh, the Four Pillars plan that was put together by Tom Cotton, and very surprisingly to me, um, I believe it's James Perdue, the uh, the junior senator from Georgia. John Perdue, I can't remember. But anyway, uh, I know him. I've been in his office before, and he has been a uh, pretty staunch pro-immigrant um, force up until just recently. As a matter of fact, I was at a, a picnic, uh, a, a political picnic with him one time when he took the stage and argued for immigrants with uh, high mathematical skills to come to the United States. And he said it was because the U.S. military was having enough or was having a hard time recruiting enough uh, highly skilled mathematicians. So this guy wanted to bring foreigners in to to um, operate some of the most uh, sensitive technical jobs in the Pentagon, which struck me as a, a, a new level of uh, foolishness. But, you know, the president's, uh, the, this plan does have some things in it that are good. Uh, it's, you know, designed to secure the border to return us to a legal um, pathway to immigration so that we can check these people out for criminal history or terrorist affiliations and health issues. But I would argue for a moratorium, uh, the American economy should be for the American people, and it's high time that our labor markets are allowed to return to um, a national interest of of, uh, providing good careers for American uh, people and those wages ought to be allowed to rise. Well, I said back there at the beginning of the show that we're going to talk a little bit about the Democrat Party and the leftist-run Democrat Party organizing themselves around this campaign to stop Joe Biden. Joe Biden brings too much baggage with him from an earlier time in Washington, D.C., where Democrats and Republicans actually compromised with each other to advance legislation and plus he's got many other things not the least of which is he is an old white man that really just rubs them the wrong way well there was a recent conference in washington dc on uh, on climate change this climate change change hoax that's right it is a hoax climate change is just dressed up marxism designed to advance their agenda with threats that if we don't follow them or if we're not, if we're not uh, don't agree to be led around by the nose by these uh, Marxist radical environmentalists, then the planet is going to come to an end, and it's going to come to an end in either 2, 7, 5, or 14, 12, 14 years. But it is going to come to an end. <laughs> 
the arrogance of uh, that claim is absolutely staggering. It has very little in the way of uh, actual scientific data. Most of this uh, data was ginned up by grants um, funded from the left-wing government designed to achieve you know, this outcome. But I've got a clip here. This is from that uh, climate conference when AOC, uh, and she is referring here to Joe Biden, talks about uh, how uh, the Green New Deal is going to be the litmus test for any Democrat candidate in, uh, in 2020, and Joe Biden just ain't it. Are we ready to take back our future and take back our lives? Because that is what this fight is all about. I will be damned if the same politicians who refused to act then are going to try to come back today and say we need a middle-of-the-road the approach to save our lives. That is too much for me. That is just too much for AOC. She is not going to have anybody compromising in the least on her Green New Deal that uh, at last count cost $73 trillion and would result in the starvation and uh, and freezing to death of people throughout this country. This idea that uh, renewable energy, 100% renewable energy, could produce the food and the heat necessary to keep this uh, this population um, fed and housed is an absolute absurdity. But if you disagree with it, then you are supporting the uh, the end of the world. Bernie Sanders is all on board with this, as are, by the way, I believe all of the other Democrat candidates, with the exception of Biden. Biden, he says he wants to compromise and take a middle-of-the-road approach. He's trying to have it both ways. He's trying to satisfy the left wing of the Democrat Party at the same time, not making himself so extreme that he can't get elected in a general um, election. Bernie agrees wholeheartedly, entirely, with AOC. He is the uh, the Marxist candidate that will implement this Green New Deal that uh, the crazy Ocasio Cortez has foisted upon Washington. When you're dealing with the future of the planet and making sure that our kids and our grandchildren have a healthy and habitable world in which to live. I don't know how you go too far. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is an existential threat, not just to the United States, but to the entire planet. We have a moral obligation to combat climate change, to bring the entire world together. This is not an American issue. This is a global issue to bring the world together, to transform our energy system away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energies. And uh, to me, we don't have a choice. They don't want sustainable energy. They want power. They want to uh, tell everybody how to live their lives. At this point, there is absolutely no indication whatsoever that these climate change dire predictions that they've been making are ever going to come to pass. Every 12 to 10 to 7 years, they, uh, they make new predictions that if we don't do something now, that Florida is going to be uh, subsumed by the Atlantic Ocean, that uh, uh, the Midwest is going to bake, that we're going to stop being able to produce food, 
All of these dire predictions again and again and again never come to pass, and yet they keep foisting this hoax upon the American people and upon the people of the world. And the truth of the matter is, if they wanted to transition away from um, carbon-emitting sources of energy, then the logical choice would be to go toward nuclear power. But they're absolutely opposed to that, of course, because anything with the word nuclear around it is is, um, kryptonite to a leftist. And our ability to dispose of nuclear waste now is much better than it has ever been. And as a matter of fact, we can, uh, we can deplete almost all the radioactivity in nuclear fuel and turn it into energy. And yet, you'll notice that none of them want to get on board with that. They want to continue their radical environmentalism that has shut down the construction of nuclear facilities in this country for... There's been one built in, I believe, the last 30 years, Savannah Nuclear Power in Augusta, Georgia. Well, I just want to share with you a little uh, anecdote that I had on my recent uh, trip to Nashville, Tennessee. I, I uh, was able to attend a, uh, a an edition of the Grand Old Opry and sit backstage, which was absolutely Outstanding. Thank you very much, Randy and Bonnie, for hosting Liz and I at that. But what I was amazed by, (laughs) there was very little country music on that Grand Old Opry stage. Uh, Apparently, rock and roll has found a new home since it's been excised from popular music, has found a home in country music. The headliner was Keith Urban, and I, I saw very little that would indicate that that was country music. Now, there was a fellow named Chris um, Jansen. That'll buy me a truck. That was outstanding, but the rest of it, that's not country music, man. Not at all. Well, that takes us to another uh, to the end of another edition of America First. I keep wanting to say that uh, right now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again Monday right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network and also available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Take care, folks. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is... What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.